that. Let's, um, let's pray together as we dive into God's word this morning. I want to pray through Psalm 67 this morning for us. May God be gracious to Good News Church and bless Good News Church. May his face shine upon us that your ways may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. May the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you rule the peoples justly and guide the nations of the earth. May the peoples praise you, O God. May all the peoples praise you. Then the land will yield its harvest, and God our God will bless us. God will bless us, and all the ends of the earth will fear him. Yes, Lord, we should have a righteous and, and uh, proper fear for you, Lord, because you are powerful and awesome. You're also gracious and merciful. I'm so grateful that you don't just rule with an iron fist, that when we sin, when we fall short, there's still grace, there's still mercy, there's still love. Lord, I pray as we open your word this morning, I pray that you would lead us. We, we need to be led by you. We live in a world with such confusion, such anger, such hate, such injustice. We don't know where to turn. But with you and your word, we know exactly where we should turn. We should turn to you. So I pray, God, as we open your word this morning, that we not only hear the words, but we would apply it to our lives so you may be glorified. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I jump into the message, I do want to celebrate with the Barron family that uh, Jacob and Bethany Barron got married yesterday. And so the Barron's been a part of the church for a long time. And so we want to celebrate young people getting married in the Lord, uh, two really strong believers uh, starting their married life together. It's, it's an awesome thing. I'm so glad that you're here this morning because today we're going to talk a little bit about anger. Anybody ever get angry? Anybody get angry? Okay, all right, good. Whew. I was kind of worried that I might be the only one that gets angry. Uh, yeah, we, we all get angry. Is, is anger in itself a sin? Is it? Is it? Okay, good. Yeah, it's, it's not. I mean, it, God gave us the emotion of anger. There is righteous anger, uh, but anger can also become a, a sin. And so this morning, we're going to look at a really crazy story in Genesis chapter 34. It's awesome to be able to walk through a book of the Bible because then you preach on things you never would normally preach on. And this is one of those stories. I would never have picked this to preach on. But as you go through it, you see that Jesus is the only one that gets anger right. And so we're going to look at this story, but I want you to remember that Jesus gets anger right. He's the only one that gets anger right. And it's hard for people to even think about Jesus getting angry because I think most people have this idea of Jesus being the combination of like these three guys uh, together, like Mr. Rogers, Santa Claus, and Bob the Painter. Like that's who people think Jesus is, some blonde-haired surfer dude that, you know, he just says, you know, hang ten and just relax and it's no big deal and he just uh, never gets angry. But Jesus did get angry. He had righteous anger. He never sinned in his anger. Uh, but he did get angry. And right now we live in an angry world. Um, if you're not on social media, I want to congratulate you for doing a good thing for your soul and just avoiding all that mess. If you are on social media, you know that we live in an angry world, don't you? I mean, we used to post about what we were eating at lunch and now we post all these hateful things. And so we live in an angry world. And so what we're going to do is we're going to look at God's word this morning. And we're going to see uh, a group of people, Jacob's sons, 
get really angry. And they got angry for, for the right reason. There was something really horrible that happened to their sister, Dinah. But then they might have taken it a little too far. So we're going to look at the story and then in the context of it, figure out how we can get anger right, just like Jesus uh, got anger right. So we're going to jump into Genesis chapter 34. Uh, if you're new here this morning, are new watching online, we're so glad that you're with us. It's awesome to have you here in Christ's community together. And we've been going through Genesis, and we're here in Genesis chapter 34 with the story of Dinah and Jacob's sons. We're going to take a few verses at a time, and I'll make some commentary on it, preach through it, and uh, we'll work our way through this, seeing how Jesus is the only one that gets anger right. Now Dinah, the daughter, uh, the daughter Leah had born to Jacob, went out to visit the women of the land. When Shechem, son of Hamor the Hivite, the ruler of that area, saw her, took her, and violated her. Now, uh, this is not a great way to start off a message, is it? Dinah uh, was the daughter that Leah had been born, and uh, she gets raped. It's either rape or statutory rape. We're not really quite sure which one it is. But either way, whether she consented or not, it was completely wrong. And he violated her is the right way of saying it. Now, he used his power. He was the son of the chieftain, basically the son of the mayor uh, that, of that area. And uh, he used his power to violate her. This, his heart was drawn to Dinah, daughter of Jacob, and he loved the girl and spoke tenderly to her. And Shechem and his father Hamor, uh, he said to his father Hamor, get me this girl as my wife. If there's any bit of good news at all, even though this is an absolutely horrible thing, at the time, women were not treated well at all. Uh, they were basically treated as material items to be discarded. And so at least he didn't want to discard her. He wanted to actually take her on as a wife. Didn't justify anything at all for what he did. An absolutely horrible and awful act. And he falls in love with her and he says, okay, dad, you have the power of this area. I want this girl as my wife. What are you going to do about it? When Jacob heard that his daughter Dinah had been defiled, his sons were in the fields and the livestock, so he kept quiet about it until he came home. You know, Jacob at this point is well advanced in years, and he has all these young sons. And you can just imagine Jacob was probably pretty upset about what had just happened. But he thought, you know what? I'm going to let my sons take care of this. They're a little bit more youthful, and I bet they could take care of this uh, in a way that uh, would be justifiable uh, in their anger. Then Shechem, father, uh, father Hamor, went out to talk to Jacob. Now Jacob's sons had come home to the fields as soon as they heard what happened. They were filled with grief and fury because Shechem had done a disgraceful thing. Is that anger their response, feeling, feeling full of fury in this situation? You think that's righteous? Do you? Yeah, Absolutely. Absolutely. If you have a daughter or you know, think of a woman that you love is raped and defiled, yeah, you better be angry. You better be furious. That's an emotion that God gives us to respond that way. And so Jacob's sons respond that way. They are furious because he'd done the disgraceful thing in Israel by lying with Jacob's daughter, a thing that should not be done. But Amor said to them, my son Shechem has his heart set on your daughter. Please give her to him as his wife. Intermarry with us. Give us your daughters and take our daughters for yourselves. 
You can settle among us. The land is open to you. Live in it, trade in it, and acquire the property in it. Where Jacob had settled in, in the land uh, that they were in, they were right near all these ungodly people, Shechem's people. They were not followers of the true God. In fact, the part of their practices were these really weird and disgraceful sexual practices, and that's where you see some of this come out. These were pagan people. And now he's saying, will you intermarry uh, these believers in the true God and these believers in, in all these pagan rituals, let's intermarry together. Does this sound like a good idea? No, this is not a good idea at all. Uh, but he comes up with this idea because he wants uh, Shechem to be able to marry Dinah. Uh, then Shechem said to Dinah's father and, father and brothers, let me find favor in your eyes and I'll give you whatever I ask, whatever you ask. Make the price for the bride and the gift I'm going to bring as great as you like. I'll pay you whatever you ask of me. Only give me the girl as my wife. So these sons are furious. Jacob is furious. This guy is saying, listen, my son really wants Dinah. You name the price. And so I'm sure they're thinking, uh, still in their anger, and they're thinking, okay, he's, he's basically begging. How can we take advantage of this situation? And so... They make a proposal. Because their sister Dinah had been defiled, Jacob's sons replied deceitfully as they spoke to Shechem, the father of Hamor. They said to them, we can't do such a thing. We can't give our sister to a man who's not circumcised. Now, circumcision was a time, it was a, it was a symbol, it was a sign and a seal that they belonged to the true God. And so this was part of their religious experience, part of following God together. That would be a disgrace to us, they said. We will give our consent to you on one condition only, that you'll become like us by circumcising all your males. Then we'll give you our daughters and take your daughters for ourselves. We'll settle among you and become one people with you. But if you do not agree to be circumcised, we will take our sister and go. This is an interesting proposal, isn't it? All right, what I want to do is, in order to intermarry with everybody, what I want you to do is all of the adult males, you become circumcised. All the guys are cringing right now, right? This is the reason why we do circumcision to babies and not adults. And it's a weird proposal, but you'll see what their intentions were. And let me give you a little preview. It wasn't good. Their proposal seemed to Hamar and seemed good to Hamar and his son Shechem. I mean, they're thinking they could have asked for anything. I mean, we have quite a bit of riches. We have quite a bit of livestock. We have quite a bit of land. They could have asked for anything. They want us to become circumcised? Okay. No big deal. We'll be able to share everything they have because of this. The young man who was most honored in all of his household, lost no time in doing what they said because he was delighted with Jacob's daughter. So Hamor and his son Shechem went to the gate of the city to speak with their fellow townsmen. These men are friendly towards us, they said. They live in our land and trade in our land. has plenty of room for them. We can marry their daughters and they can marry ours. But the men will consent to live with us as one people only on the condition that males be circumcised as they themselves are. Won't their livestock, their property, and all the animals become ours? So let's give consent to them, and they will settle among us. This is a great illustration of the power of lust. Here are all these guys thinking we're going to get more money, we're going to get more power, we're going to get more livestock, we're going to get more land. And look at those women. I mean, they look different than us, and they're attractive, and they're exotic, and we get the women too. 
And so they think, circumcision? No big deal. They're completely blinded by their lusts. The story continue, continues on. So all the men who went out to the city gate agreed with Hamar, the, the son Shechem, and every male in the city was circumcised. Here's where the plan comes into fruition for Jacob's sons. Three days later, while all the men were still in pain, two of Jacob's sons, Simeon and Levi, Dinah's brothers, took their swords and attacked the unsuspecting city, killing every male. While they were recovering from their circumcision, the third day is the worst day of recovery from circumcision, and they're all still in pain. They basically can't fight back at all. Simeon and Levi and probably a bunch of their servants went into the city and killed every male. They put Hamar and his son Shechem to the sword and took Dinah from Shechem's house and left. The sons of Jacob came upon the dead bodies and looted the city where their sister had been defiled. They seized their flocks and their herds and their donkeys and everything else in theirs and their city and out in the fields. They carried off their wealth and all their women and children, taking plunder, everything in the houses. Now, we all agreed that Jacob's sons and Jacob should have been really upset about hearing about what happened to Dinah. But this is taking it to a whole other level, isn't it? And they not only got revenge on, on Shechem and his, his father, Hamor, they took it out on everyone. Everyone was killed. They looted the city. They took the women and the children as slaves. I mean, this is putting anger in the wrong place. We all agree that they had righteous anger, but this act is certainly sin against God. They took it way, way too far. Jesus is the only one that gets anger right, and these people certainly were not Jesus. Even though they were followers of the Lord, they are deeply flawed, just like you and I are. Then Jacob said to Simeon and Levi, You brought trouble on me by making me a stench to the Canaanites and the Perizzites, the people living in this land. We are few in number, and if I join, force, if, if I join forces against me and attack me, I and my household will be destroyed. But they replied, should he have treated our sister like a prostitute? Even in the midst of all this craziness happening, all this anger being taken out, Jacob is still just basically concerned about him and his household. He doesn't even really condemn them for the act that they do, and they even defend themselves. They said, well, we were angry. We were upset. And so we did this. I mean, look what they did to our sister. So we took it out on them. Anger is a really interesting thing to work through, and sometimes it's really difficult to figure out how to have anger in the right place. These guys certainly didn't have anger in the right place, did they? I mean, they had righteous anger, and then it turned into very sinful anger. It's interesting, in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, In your anger do not sin, and don't let the sun go down while you're still angry. Do not give devil a foothold. The word foothold in the original Greek language is the word topos. And topos means a room. It basically says, in your anger, don't give the devil room in your heart uh, by sinning or letting the sun go down on your anger in your sin. And so how do you get it right? I mean, it's really difficult. Uh, this is a motion that's given to us from God. 
but we often get it in the wrong place. I remember a few years ago, and there's certainly examples that happened more recently. This is just something that stuck out in my head. It was one of those days where I was trying to give Christy a little bit of a, a time away, away from the kids so she could get some things done. And so I had the kids all day, and uh, we did all kinds of things that dads do. You know, I, what do you do when, when you have your kids? You don't know what to do with them. You just go all kinds of places they like to go. So we went to, we went to Walmart and we went to Dairy Queen. We went to Ichiban Buffet. This was before COVID, okay? So uh, we, they, they like eating all the kinds of food that they want. And we went to all the, these different playgrounds and we get home and the two boys are in the bath and Liliana is doing a craft and they're wanting their mommy because who doesn't want their mom? And they want their mom. They want their mom. But Christy isn't home yet. And so they're just complaining about not having their mom. And they're, not, they're getting in and out of the bath. And they're splashing each other. And at that time, Liliana comes in. And she's like, Daddy, can you help me with my craft? And it's a very simple, easy question, right? But in the midst of all this craziness going on, I slam my hand down. I said, I'll get to that craft in a minute. Poor Liliana just backed away real slowly, and there was silence in the bathroom. I had lost control because there was some splashing in the bathtub, and my daughter asked me to help her with her craft. Anger not in the right place, right? Not in the right place at all. That's why we have to count on Jesus, because he's the only one that gets anger right. This sinful anger that we see come out, maybe we're not going to go and murder all kinds of people and, and loot and plunder a place, but we certainly can affect our relationships. And anger comes out in, uh, in weird ways and in interesting ways because oftentimes there's anger in our life that we don't know how to deal with. We don't understand how to deal with it because there's things that are happening behind the scenes. Maybe it's a uh, relational conflict in your life, in your workplace, in your family that keeps coming up and you don't really know how to resolve it. Or maybe there's a personal weakness, a personal sin that you struggle with and you keep trying to overcome it, trying to overcome it, but you can't. And so you, you get angry or you feel trapped in a, a painful or, or dead-end situation that you're in. You don't know how to get out of it, so anger comes out in, in all these different and, and weird ways. Or maybe there's a betrayal in your life that happened that you weren't expected, that wasn't expected in your life, that you were blindsided by. And because of that, it makes you angry, but you don't really know how to, how to get that anger out. And, and maybe, maybe you're seeking God's guidance on something, and you feel like that he's just silent, and he's not speaking to you, and you're having a hard time discerning what to do. And maybe that's making you a little bit angry. And so we have to figure out a way to get anger right. And so Jesus gets anger right, and the action step for us is to let Jesus put your anger in the right place. We don't want to just get rid of all anger because God gave us that emotion and there is righteous anger. The reaction that Jacob's sons had about being furious about their, their sister being raped, that's righteous anger. They should have been upset, but you have to work to put anger in the right place. And the, way, the best way to do that is by counting on Jesus to do that. Maybe there's some things in your life that you've seen that you don't want to pass on for, for anger in your life. Maybe you've heard anger in your household growing up, and you don't want to have a household that's full of anger too. Maybe your angry words have gotten you in trouble. Anybody have that happen? Yeah, I certainly have had that happen. Maybe there's a friend in your life that's told you that you tend to be a little bit angry, and maybe you don't quite see it. 
but because you respect that person, you want to really explore that a little bit more. Maybe you, you have too many angry arguments with your spouse that really is, it's not fighting fair, it's, it's fighting in anger. Maybe you discipline your children in anger. Uh, maybe there's some things there that you, that you want to work on. Listen to what a few scriptures say. This is, this is in Proverbs chapter 14, uh, verse 29. And Proverbs are just wise sayings that we can apply to our life. Listen, listen to what it says. This is uh, 14, 29. It says, a patient man has great understanding, but a quick-tempered man displays folly. And then Proverbs 16, 32, it says this. Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper, than one who takes a city. Most guys that I know want to be warriors. We want to accomplish things. We want to, we want to take over. We want to do whatever it takes uh, to make a difference in the world, to make our mark in the world. And this scripture is saying that if we're patient, it's even better than being a strong warrior. We have to get anger right, and the only way that we can do that is by letting Jesus move in, letting Jesus take a hold of our life, because the sons of Jacob didn't quite get anger right, but Jesus does get anger right. And I want to show you one quick story here. This is in, this is in Mark chapter 11. This is where you could throw that Mr. Rogers, uh, Santa Claus, Bob the painter, Jesus out the window. That's why I like reading this story, because it shows that Jesus had righteous anger. This is in Mark 11, chapter, um, chapter 11, verse 15. On reaching Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple area, began driving out those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. And we did not allow anyone to carry merchandise uh, through the temple courts. And he taught them. He said, it is... Is it not written, my house will be called a house of prayer for the nations, but you have made it a den of robbers. This is righteous anger. This is our Savior saying, no, you're in the temple worshiping. You're supposed to be worshiping, and you're making it into a den of robbers. Jesus gets it right. Righteous anger is being angry at what, God, what makes God angry. Righteous anger is the right way to call it because primarily and fundamentally, God is not angry. He is righteous. But there are things that hurt God's heart. You can see them all around our world today. There are things that as believers in Christ, we should be up front saying, we know the truth. This shouldn't make us angry. When we see things that go directly against God's word, we shouldn't stay silent. We should say something. We should step up as the people of God and have righteous anger. God's righteous anger demands, his, demands anger over things that are perversions in our world. We have to speak out. We, we should not just be meek and weak. In fact, as Christians, we should be the strongest people. We should have truth and love because we know the Savior. We know the truth. We know the way. Let Jesus put your anger in the right place. See, first, we were made in the image of God. And the emotions that he gave us, the anger that he gave us, all the emotions that he gives us, that, that's right and that's true. That's the way God created us. But then the fall messed everything up. And it messed up our emotions, too. And Jacob's sons were living in the fall. We're living in the fall. And because of that, 
we have all of our emotions jacked up in all kinds of different ways. That's why we get anger wrong. That's why we snap at things we shouldn't snap at. And that's why we let things go that we should be angry at. The sin, sin in our life messes everything up. We, we don't have righteous anger, but we have unrighteous anger. And that's why we need Jesus to get ang- anger right. In Luke chapter 19, verse 10, it says this. Jesus said to them, salvation today has come for this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the son of man came to seek and to save what was lost. I'm so grateful that God doesn't leave us and all of our emotions all jacked up. He gives us a way out. He gives us salvation. He's a seeking and saving Savior. He doesn't say, listen, you got anger wrong there, Andy. You yelled at your daughter while, you were just, while she was just asking for, for help with a craft. You're done. You're through. Aren't you so grateful that God doesn't do that with us? Aren't you so grateful that he gives us mercy? And the best way that he shows how he gives us mercy is by sending Jesus, who lived a perfect life, who always got every single one of his emotions right. When he was angry, it was righteous anger, and he did not sin. When he was sad, he did it in a righteous way. When he was happy, it was in a righteous way. He got all of his emotions right. Every action was perfect. And then after he lived that perfect life, he died on the cross. And when he was on that cross, he said, I know when you're going to be angry and it's not going to be righteous. I know when you're going to snap at your spouse. I know when you're going to do something in anger that's going to be sin. And I'm going to die for that. I'm going to die for all the ways that you messed up. I'm going to take the punishment that should be on you, that should be on me, and, and I'm going to be on that cross suffering a painful and awful death so that you can have forgiveness, so that you can have love, so that you can have eternal life. That's why it's so vital that you believe in Jesus' life, death, and resurrection over all that sin because he is victorious over all the ways that we fall short. He's the one that gives us hope. He gets, he gets anger right. And he shows us the place that anger can have in our life if we trust in him, if we believe in him. Won't you do that? Won't you believe in him? Won't you trust in him as Lord and Savior of your life if you've never done that before? It's the only hope for you to get any type of your emotions right, your anger right. And when you do mess up, because listen, we still, even in Christ, we're still flawed people. He just covers that sin. He gives us his righteousness, but we still mess up. We still fall short, but we can find forgiveness in him. Romans chapter 10, uh, verse 9 says this. That if you confess to your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's primarily why we exist as a church. We want you to find salvation. The only way you can find salvation is in Christ. Confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. And then let Jesus help you put anger in the right place. We can't do it on our own. We need the help of Jesus to be able to do that. We can't accomplish it on our own. But listen to what it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. And we who with unveiled faces all reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. 
as we allow the Holy Spirit to come into our lives, we can be forever transformed. If you find yourself being an angry person, if you find yourself, even if it doesn't come out, you just know how you feel on the inside, you don't have to stay stuck there. You don't have to be like that for the rest of your life. You feel like this, all this unrighteous anger and you snap at people, you have a short fuse, you don't have to be like that forever. You can count on Jesus to work into your life, to transform you, to sanctify you, uh, to allow you to become more and more like him. And, and his part, he's going to move in and he's going to help you get that anger right the more and more you trust in him. And that's why we run here on Sunday morning, whether you're joining us here in person or online, that's, that's why we come. It's because we know the source of hope. We know the source of joy. Listen, if we go to the world to f- try to find hope, are we going to be able to overcome our anger? Are we going to be able to overcome our sin? I mean, no. The, the world doesn't offer solutions. The church does. The church does because we know who is the seeking and saving Savior. We know who gets anger right. So that's why we run the church. That's why we run the small group. Listen, we don't want to put anger in the wrong place like Jacob's sons did. We want to have righteous anger. We want to be able to use that for his glory. And we want to be able to get rid of unrighteous anger. And so this week, we have an opportunity to be able to show people that we are the people of God. If you mess up this week and you show unrighteous anger, you sin in your anger, go above and beyond to to make it right. Go and apologize to people and say, listen, I, I messed up. I got that wrong. I was angry when I shouldn't have been angry. That time where... I told you a little earlier about what I yelled right at Liliana. I had an opportunity with my kids to talk with them afterward and say, you know what? Dad really blew it. There's no reason why I should have snapped. There's no reason why I should have yelled. It was unrighteous anger. Daddy needs Jesus. And it was a powerful moment to be able to show that to my kids. So if you mess up, or when you mess up, because we're all going to mess up, go above and beyond. Go above and beyond to show people that Jesus is the only one that gets anger right and tell people that you're really sorry. When someone else blows it in, in your life this week, when someone else gets angry at you and, and maybe comes to you and asks for forgiveness or even if they don't ask for forgiveness, it's a way for you to show grace to people. You can say, listen, hey, I, I struggle with anger too. Me too. Me too. C.S. Lewis, the great theologian, says, friendship is born in the moment we say, me too. When we relate with someone else and say, you know what, I, I have that struggle too. I'm, I'm one that's, that, that, is, that can relate to you because I've struggled with this my life too. We can build friendship and we can lead people to Christ. So I urge you this week in closing to, to stand up for truth. If there are things that are happening in our world that you see are mocking God, there are things that go directly against God's word, stand up in truth. And it's okay to have righteous anger. It's okay to say something. But there are things in your life that you know that you should just let go and you find yourself getting really angry about. Seek the Lord in it. Come to him and say, listen, I don't know how to deal with this. 
I know I have some pinned-up anger in my life, and I just want to give this to you. I know you, you're the only one that gets this right. Help me to overcome this sin in my life. Don't let the sun go down on my anger. I don't want the devil to have a room in my heart. No. I want to worship you. Help me with it. Jesus gets anger right. So let Jesus help you put anger in the right place. Let's pray together. Lord, I'm so thankful that the Bible is so real. I mean, this is such a raw story. And it's filled with all kinds of things that are, that are infuriating, that are difficult to deal with. And, and for us to be able to process it and be able to apply it to our lives, Lord, help us to remember that in Jesus we have the power and the strength to be able to do that. Lord, I pray for anyone in here right now that's feeling really angry. And it's not righteous anger. It's unrighteous anger. They don't know what to do with that anger. They find themselves snapping really quick. They find themselves in arguments all the time. Or they just find their blood just boils uh, often. Lord, I pray that they would give that anger to you. Lord, I pray for people in here this morning that, like me, sometimes there are things that happen in this world that I should be really angry about and I just let it go. Lord, help us to have righteous anger in the places that we need to have righteous anger. Lord, you created all the emotions in us. Sometimes we don't know what to do with it as sinful people. So I pray, God, you'd help us to run to you. In Jesus' name, amen.